Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast, everyone. I hope you are doing well out there. I hope you enjoyed last episode. Uh, it's It's been nice to have things up and running. I finally got my computer uh, back together, but it was a little bit of a nightmare trying to figure out what was wrong with it. My, uh, excuse me, first fix, um, which I thought would, would, would work, didn't work. And then my second fix, which I thought would work, didn't work. So I had to move on to another one. And finally, uh, after spending about a couple hundred bucks figured out uh, how to get this thing back up and running but I'm still missing a couple audio files like the intro file things like that so uh, most likely not going to have an intro song on this episode if I can't uh, if I don't have the time to remake that it just takes a little bit of time to recut that audio file into an intro so sorry about that if I don't have that up uh, but I do hope that you're enjoying the episodes thus far I hope you enjoyed the last couple I know they've been much much more politically tinted and um, I, I hope that doesn't affect uh, your enjoyment of the episode at, at all. I know that there's a lot of political talk out there right now, especially leading to the election, and it's a little overwhelming. Not a little, a lot. It's a little, um, it could be frustrating, uh, I think, to to try to uh, disengage from that because it, it becomes overwhelming uh, at, most of the time. <laughs> um, but anyway, if you can kind of hear in my voice, I'm definitely overwhelmed um, myself. Um, not only by that, by the political side, but I just have a lot of um, things going on in my life that aren't going the way I want them to go, I guess. and uh, Or at least not at the pace that I want them to, to move at. And this is a, one of my triggers, personally, for, uh, that will get me or lead me down into what I would describe as a dark place. Uh, and I've, I've talked about this place before on this, these, these episodes, and uh, I think it's important that I describe um, kind of what I'm going through right now for you, so that if you're going through something similar, or if maybe this applies to your situation, it can help you. Um, maybe you not feel as alone while you're in that, that spot. <clears throat> I know just talking through it on these episodes when I'm in a, a bad place uh, does a lot to help me. Um, and I've also found that these are the times where it's the most necessary to be honest with yourself. Um, when you're when you're feeling unmoored, when you're feeling lost, when you're feeling kind of down on yourself and the world, uh, that's the time when you need to really look inside and be like, okay, well, what have I been doing wrong? Because often what we'll do when we get to these points is we'll start to look externally. We'll start to try to find people, things, and places, memories, uh, you know, that that are the the cause of our pain that we're currently experiencing. And the problem with doing that is you will find those scapegoats, and that's what they are: is scapegoats. You'll find those things you want to find because you're looking for them. <laughs> and because there is no objective reality, there's no way that you're going to be able to objectively view. Not because there is no objective reality. You are one perspective, so anything, any perspective you take will be subjective. I'd still argue for no objective reality, but I used it wrong there. You'll find the monsters you create. Because the monsters you need to deal with are internal monsters. They're monsters you've created. A lot of them stemming from your ego. And I was listening to Mike Tyson talk recently on Joe Rogan. Uh, and I found him incredibly fascinating. Because you can tell when you listen to a person like Mike Tyson that this, this man has done that kind of ego work that I've been talking about. 
you can tell that he's lived a hard life. And I think I think he did another interview with Rogan uh, along like a year ago or so that I listened to, and I can't remember all the specifics because it's been a little too long now. But uh, if I remember right, he he described a pretty difficult upbringing, um, and that makes sense because I think uh, going through hardship is part partially what demands this kind of internal work, right? Like I just been saying, that when you're in a dark place, that's when you look inside. That's when you find out what you're made of. That's when you find out who you are. And um, there's nobody that can force you to do that, though. That that's an internal choice, and that's what that's what that's what strength is. That's what courage is. That's what heroism is. Is being the thing that makes a choice to do something independent of what the external factors are. What maybe what the the world is showing it. Maybe you're getting a lot of negative feedback for something you're doing, but you you decide that you're going to continue to do it because you believe in it. Right? So I'm talking about something positive, obviously. You can do the same thing with negative parts of your life as well. You can hold on to them. You can kind of focus on them with, 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 with too much intent and you can kind of make your whole life about one, two, or three negative things that you've experienced or people that you've experienced, whatever, relationships. And that can make a monster out of you because you'll play this weird, sick game where you'll look at those external things, the external world, and you'll find those monsters that you've been looking for, and then you'll uh, try to look at the characteristics of the monster and see how that monster affected you and what it, it, its motives must have been uh, to hurt you in the way it did. And then that'll automatically create a character out of you as well. It'll create a, a certain identity that you have to place in in the in the, the victim spot in, uh, in relation to the monster. Uh, that then forces you to embody those characteristics, creates an ego, um, a, a proto-personality of sorts that that um, you then incorporate into your uh, ultimate ego, your ultimate con- conception of yourself. And if you do this repetitively, if you do this multiple times with different people in different places, situations, if you have a habit of looking out into the world and finding these monsters in the world and then making yourself into the victim. Uh, What you'll do is construct an ego that you despise. Because you can have an ego that you love. (laughs) You can have a conception of yourself that you love, right? I guess. Ego, we, I usually refer to it, and I think we usually talk to the uh, talk about the ego in, in a negative way. And I think that's because most of the time, your conception of yourself is something that's malformed, misshapen. It's a conglomerate of the things I just described. And so it's this grotesque thing that people don't like to look at, and they deny within themselves, and they kind of misassociate with themselves. So I guess the, the part of the of your ego that I'm referring to is more of the shadow. But that's that's Yeah. I, I might be getting getting those two ideas confused, but I'm that that side of yourself that, that you hide from yourself is your shadow, as Jung would describe it, right, Carl Jung. And it's it's made up of the things that you don't want to admit about yourself, the, the aspects of yourself that you don't want to admit. I guess that there is a differentiation there, but when I was talking about the ego shadow, is the ego shadow is something different than your shadow, your true shadow. Your true shadow is something is 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 you something like your deepest fears. 
but also your 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 most hated characteristics about yourself the the, the parts about yourself that you despise the the things that are incomplete that or not maybe incomplete but just are inadequate that you you, you have trouble manifesting whatever right uh, those parts of yourself are, are part of your shadow because it's a part of yourself that you don't you don't attempt to fix you don't try to work on or you hide actively I think there can be that shadow side to the ego as well, but it's a it's a trickier game, I guess, is what I've just been describing these last eight minutes. Is when you when you look for the answers in the world, you know, reasons for why you're suffering in the external world. What you create is this, like I said, this story. We have to create narratives in which we fit in those to try to find the reasons for why we're suffering. When we when we don't readily hold ourselves accountable for our own sufferings what we do is we find it in external in external places and and that requires a narrative to, to to make that real and so we paint that narrative as we look for the monsters as we find them we we we, we back we construct the, the story backwards placing ourselves in the in the spot of the victim and and that creates this um shadow inside of our, our ego that that is a is like a misrepresentation of it's it's, an, it's a conception of ourselves but it's something that we'll hide from ourselves because it's like the process of creating that story is hidden i guess is what i'm getting at this is kind of a hard idea to talk about and i'm trying to crystallize it right now guys it's, it's 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 like we there's something deeply meaningful about that process i think i'm getting kind of getting stuck in the description of it and how much it can lead you astray because that's what I've been doing. You know, I, I the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm I've been going through recently um, kind of the an ultimate ending to a relationship that I held deeply, like very close to me, and it's a hard thing to describe because. The entire relationship could have been one of these tales, these stories that was created. It's also a relationship in which I could have been manipulated. I could have been gaslit, right? And what it's left me feeling, what it's left me sitting with is this feeling of confusion of, okay, I don't feel good. I don't feel good about the ending of this relationship. I don't feel good about losing this person. I feel like it was something that should have been around me forever. But also, when I look into the, the relationship, when I look into the external world, and I look into my past with this person, I don't have really any examples of to support the kind of connection I felt, the kind of love that I felt towards this person. That love was never reciprocated, I guess, is what I'm getting at. But I got into a relationship where it was deeply one-sided, where I, I felt deeply connected to a person that never reciprocated that connection. And so what that manifested in is a long period of time in which I felt... as if 
the way that I fix the situation is to fix myself. A lot of the things that I've talked through in this podcast have been in relation to this situation that I'm talking about right now. Because I do think that people that are in your life, placed in your life, are there for a reason. I do think that there's certain people that you'll come across in your life, very rare individuals, doesn't happen very often, but certain individuals that you feel a connection with almost instantaneously. And I'm sure if you think about it hard enough, you'll find somebody that represents this for you. That it's one of those kind of situations, and it doesn't have to be romantic necessarily either. It can be a friend. But just a connection where when you come across this person, it's like... You know what I mean? One of the things I'm having to come to terms with right now, basically for my own sanity, because I don't know the answer to what's been going on around this relationship, is that maybe that kind of connection can be one-sided. Excuse me. It doesn't always have to be reciprocated. You can feel connected to a person deeply even if they don't feel that same connection. Now, the reason I say you can feel that way is because that's exactly how my situation has manifested. That I've, it, regardless of how the other person has felt, I have felt very connected to them. And part of trying to figure out this situation was trying to figure out how I make myself into the, the individual I knew I could be, right? Many of you have, may have experienced this before as well if you've gone through like a hard... A lot of times I think this kind of motivation manifests when you go through a hard breakup. So, like, you know, if you go, yeah, usually a hard breakup, or if you break up with somebody, a lot of times people will get their ass in gear to light a fire because it's like, oh, I, I kind of want to make this person see what I am. You know what I mean? Um, it's weird how out of a, out of a, out of pain, you, you have this phoenix quality, you know, this out of, out of death or endings, you have this regeneration that can happen if people respond properly. Um, what I think's happened to me in this situation over a long period of time is I've, regardless of what's actually been happening, whether I've been being gaslit, whether this person has been dishonest with me and hasn't been honest with how they feel about me, or whether what they're saying is the truth, and which is what I have to take the situation as, right? The only objective way I can view the situation is to take the person that is at their word. And so that being that this is not the connection that I was feeling, uh, doesn't negate the fact that I still felt that this was an important connection, like I said. I still felt the magnitude of it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And because of that, my pursuit of this person, the fire that it lit under me, after being kind of rejected and turned down, um caused me to do a lot of very, very, very important work on my ego and myself, on my shadow side. And oddly enough, as I've done that, it's made, it's reaffirmed my, my 
faith in the fact that that connection is important, right? It's it, it's it's vindicated that feeling that this connection is important because I've had a massive change come through from not directly from it, but kind of well, I guess maybe directly from it. And so what's recently happened is, is this, 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 I guess, you know, quotation marks relationship, if you wanted to call it that, but I don't think that's really the proper way to describe it. This kind of acquaintanceship uh, as it's manifested for the last uh, six months or so or a year, um, finally came to a like kind of a head and, and, you know, through confrontation, me trying to push the point that I think this is a very important relationship. Um, the other person decided that this was no longer something that they wanted to engage in. And so that ending, right, basically saying, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think that we can we can man- maintain a relationship in a healthy way. Uh, and recognizing that that's probably not wrong right in myself as well it's weird that this point i'm coming to and i'm trying to talk through it with you guys right now i'm sorry if this is a little bit wishy-washy or if it's hard to follow or if i'm being vague but i'm being vague specifically because i don't think it's a situation that requires you to know every detail i think it's a general situation that can probably fit a lot of people so i'm trying to make it something that's more malleable and applicable to you guys as well but that when presented with this ending with this person um, I've, I've felt loss right I felt myself slipping um, but the craziest thing's been happening because I have been slipping this last week or so And I've I've been having this series of kind of realizations for myself, and I think one of them being that that this was there's a there's a a way in which relationships can serve a purpose, and then can there's. What am I trying to say here? It's something like not every person is meant to be in your life forever. That you may have noticed this in your in your life as well, that you'll come into contact with people sometimes that like have a really impactful, meaningful kind of effect on you, but then you 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 know they that connection disappears or, or it's very fleeting or let's say you guys aren't around each other anymore. And so the kind of connection fades, but yet the person still sticks in your mind or the impact or the experience that you guys had together still has a deep impact and meaning on you and your construction of yourself. Um, That, that a lot of times I think the way we think about any kind of connection, when we have this kind of pull that I was describing, I don't know if I did a good job of describing it, but when you feel a pull towards an individual, like a, a deep connection, um, it can, it can, it can make you assume that that can, that thing needs to be forever, right? That 
you don't want to destroy that connection, that you don't want to end things or you want to do whatever it takes to make this thing work. I guess maybe this is a, a point that many, like if you, if you were ever in a, a really bad marriage or I guess really any bad relationship, but a marriage is a good example because a lot of people are married, right? Or in bad marriages. And it comes to a point where, you know, a lot of people love that person, but it just, it's not working anymore. Um, and that this this realization that this ending of, of the utility of the other person in your life has come to fruition, right? Um, which sounds like a hard way to describe it, but that there are certain times in our lives where we have to recognize that, hey, this person no longer suits us. This person no, is no longer... is no longer something that reaffirms us or grants us energy, but is something that would, moving forward, detract from our ultimate purpose or ultimate goal. As weird as it seems, in the situation I've been describing, the person that I think kind of helped reignite or show me what I think my purpose is, um, without intentionally doing it, just by being there, by being a real thing, um... Now, if if I was to keep that person in my life, it would detract from the purpose that they've made me realize. <laughs> Does that make any sense? It's a very hard, hard situation to work through. But that that's the point I've come to. Is that... That, that relationship is no longer suiting me. That, that in order for me to continue to grow as a person, um, that... It requires me to let go of that. That's the next step. That even though, you know, trying to forge myself into the individual that would be the right kind of person or match for this other individual um, was all a good process. I should have been doing it for myself. Right? And that's a big realization there too. I should have been doing it for myself, not for other people. You know, when you do something, don't make sure that your motivations are clear. That they come from a place of, of you wanting the best for yourself. Maybe in a weird way, there was a, an alignment of that. That even though my motivation was because I, you know, partially, and it wasn't entirely that, I mean, partially wanting to, to make myself better for, or stemming out of wanting to make myself better for another person, that I did want to make myself better for myself as well. And when those two things aligned, it worked out better. But that growth has kind of ceased over the last couple of months. Since I've made this move, that that growth has kind of ceased. And I've realized that it's I'm, I'm being asked or, or I'm being, there's a demand placed on me to, to continue to that growth. But it, it requires that I move on and find a bigger mountain to climb, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. And... Letting go of something can be an extremely difficult process. Oh man, can it be difficult? Because now I want to kind of move this into and talk a little bit more, if you're still with me, guys, <laughs> about addiction and how this relates. 
No, it's not directly related to any of the, you know, that individual I was talking about or anything like that. But I want to talk about addiction because the thing I just said, and holding on, we don't like we we don't like to let go of things. We'll even hold on to grudges. You know, we, we, people hold on to grudges. You know, for lifetimes. <laughs> you know, family grudges that last generations we don't like to let go of things we clutch on to our pain in weird ways our suffering and we blame the world for making us feel that pain over and over again yet we're the ones clutching on to it such a tricky game we play with ourselves isn't it I think if you had to objectively describe me, I'd be a person who has an addictive personality, quotation marks. <laughs> I say that because, sorry, my dog's going a little crazy in the background. I think there's probably a mover going or something right now. But because I've had an attraction towards vice my whole life. And I think, in general, vice is attractive, so I don't know if that makes me different than anybody else, but um, that's why I have, like, a kind of objection to the idea, in general, of addictive personalities, because I think everybody <laughs> would be attracted to vice, especially if they knew the effects of vice before they ever tried it, kind of a thing, right? Um, Dixie! No, stop. Sorry, my dog's going a little crazy, guys. Just hold on for a second. But, um, anyway, we hold on to things and we hold on to memories. We hold on to the pain that's associated with those memories. And the way we hold on to those, that pain is through the memory itself. Because we have this weird belief that if we, the only way the memory stays real or, the, or that it won't just disappear is by holding on to it, <laughs> right? But, um, and this may sound weird because like people are going to be like, well, I don't want to hold on to, I don't want to hold on to my painful memories. I'm trying to run away from my painful memories. Well, that that's a tricky game you play when you try to run away from a memory because in, in order to kind of run away from something you have to know what you're running away from right so in a very insidious way you hold on to the memory by running away from it the act of running is the thing that holds it there we hold on to these things either intentionally or unintentionally but ultimately is because you don't want you're not letting the memory go When you do this, and we're going to use kind of nicotine as an example, because this is one that I've been struggling with recently. When you use um, <clears throat> vices like nicotine, alcohol is another good example of this because it's readily available. Weed would be a good example of this as well, but I think it has a little different effect on people because it doesn't have like the, as much of a physical hook. Whereas alcohol and, and nicotine definitely do. 
but I'm going to kind of use just alcohol and nicotine for now, just as a, for ease of, of example, right? Um, I was noticing something, and I don't, I, I don't like to smoke cigarettes, right? But like I said recently, I've, I've been uh, smoking cigarettes on an occasional basis. And I've been doing it because I've been wanting to relieve myself, you know, in these of this stress that I'm feeling. But I had this realization the other night because I don't like smoking cigarettes. I don't like anything about it. I don't like the way it makes me smell. I've, I've done it before in, in the military. I used to be a dipper. You know, I used to sm- jewel. I mean, I've done all of it, right? I've gone all <laughs> back and forth. You've listened to my Vice episode. You, you've heard my struggles with getting off of nicotines, right? So, um for uh, probably the past eight months this whole this whole show I've been uh, off of nicotine but just recently come back on it and and uh, one of the realizations I had one night when I was sitting there and I was using it was um, using smoking a cigarette was that these vices they do something when you use them and it's something much deeper than just giving you relief it does something very weird. I don't know if you've noticed this before, if any of you have ever been a smoker or a dipper or used a jewel, uh, you know, if you've been addicted to something like that or really addicted to anything. What you'll notice is if you watch yourself when you're in one of those addictive cycles and it's hard to get yourself into a mood to want to watch because usually you're going to be very in a depressive state when you're using the thing. You have to be in one of those holes and you have to be using the vice as a vice to be able to recognize this. But if you're careful when you're in one of those spots, you might just catch this. But what's happening a lot of times is when you go and you light up that cigarette or you throw in that dip or you, you hit that jewel when you're stressed out, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling like everything's out, what it does is it... It's almost like a string of lights. If you watch, it's like it lights up this string of connection inside of your head, of memories. It's like you literally like take a hit, and and it's like like a string of Christmas lights lighting up inside of your head. And each one of those little lights is a memory. It's a little memory in time. And. Every time you've used that vice that way, every memory that's come, every time you've you've experienced pain or suffering or, or fear or anguish or whatever it is, and that vice has been there and you've accepted it and you've taken it, you've created like a little connection point in your head. Through which this string is created, right? And in a weird way, over time, as you do this over and over again, what it starts to do is it allows you to, when you use the vice, it allows you to access those memories like that. Something like that. I'm trying to kind of talk it through with you, through with it, with you guys, right? Like activates those memories. And even if they're painful ones, it reactivates them. And there's a sick way in which we kind of enjoy reliving them when we're using the vice. That if you watch yourself, like I said, when you're in these dark places, you'll play the thing over in your head. You'll look at the thing that was painful and that you used the vice to escape and you'll just 
mull it over. And then many times you'll often try to find other pains that that pain is attached to and pull it in. Kind of re- It's It's an odd thing. It's like a masochistic thing that people do. And and It has something to do with placing the control It's something to do with placing the control of your world outside of yourself. That at a fundamental level what a vice is is a it's like a simple switch. It's a simple on and off switch. It's an I'm better I'm not switch. When you have an addiction, when you're when you're deeply in an addictive cycle or something like that what that thing whatever it is that you're using becomes is a simple on and off switch and what that on and off switch is is it's a one a connect it's a it's a connection to feeling okay if not if not a connection to feeling okay a connection to to Seeing the things that cause you pain up front. Because so often we suffer and we don't know why we suffer because we run away from these things, right? But there's something that happens that maybe just with nicotine that in the way I was describing it in the previous kind of description that when you when you when you use nicotine it kind of does it it reignites this like memory in a sense. You kind of can go back and relive. It's like this perspective shift where you you can reminisce in a way an odd way nicotine is like very good at helping people reminisce about things even if they're not good memories and that when you do that when you do that over and over again it it creates like i said this the, the thing itself becomes this access point this switch through which you can't readily identify where your problem lies unless you use that thing as like the metal detector you know it's like you constrain yourself your whole being within that one thing because you take the ability to respond or even view your problems away from yourself (laughs) and you'll notice this if you've ever been um, addicted to anything where you can't nicotine's the best description like way to experience this because you'll you'll, uh, you know, people tend to need to use it repetitively, you know, especially if they're addicted to it in a bad way, like really addicted to it. But you'll, you'll, you'll see that you'll want to, um, in between the times you're using it and the times you're smoking or vaping or whatever it is in between those times, that, that gap time, you'll notice you go back into this weird kind of autopilot state where like when a problem happens, you don't deal with it. You, you'll, you'll, without knowing it, you'll tell yourself that can't be dealt with until I use the switch. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the only way I can view that in a logical way, in a logical-minded way, without getting too emotionally, uh, you know, involved or invested. And so it's like we 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 put ourselves in this in this altered perspective <clears throat> that that keeps us from having 
it hides our ability to fix a problem in this in the t- in the present. And so much of the difficulty of getting away from nicotine specifically um, is that problem right there, I think, that I was just describing. <clears throat> now, I, I may be describing a very specific problem with just the drug of nicotine right now, too. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this applies as much to alcohol because I haven't expanded it as much. I don't have as much of an issue with alcohol, personally, right? I've had an issue with weed before, but again, it's not a... It's not a... Uh, I don't see it as the same thing because it's a different kind of hook. You know, each of these have different, like, specific hooks, I guess. And I've argued for vice in general, right, uh, before and its effect. And I guess you could talk about it at that magnification, but it's better to talk about these substances at the substance level because they do have very different uses and there's very different reasons people rely on them and they speak to those people's issues. Right. It speaks to your individual issues. What what drug of choice, what what vice of choice? It could be food, it doesn't have to be a drug. Right? What thing you use as a crutch that speaks to your issue. Its effects. What that drug does could be it's, it will be very revealing. If you look into what those if you really think about it for a second, why do why do I drink? Why do I smoke cigarettes? Or why do I vape? What does that drug do for me? What is that feeling? Think about it. Why do I like that feeling? It's not because it's just make me feel good. Ooh, it makes me funny. Maybe the first time you ever did it. (laughs) Ooh, that makes me feel funny. It's never that again. Why do you do the things you do? These are questions that are very deeply important. Questions that we often avoid, right? Unfounded questions. But ones that are important nonetheless, and ones that vice will often hide from yourself. That you have all of the control you need. You have control over yourself. If you seize it, you're born with total control over yourself. I guess if you don't give it away is <laughs> a better way to put it. Not if you seize it. You have total control over yourself if you don't give it away. In the way I was describing the relationship I was talking about, the I think unhealthy relationship I was describing earlier, right? Um, That's partially what I was doing as well, was giving away some of my autonomy. Not my autonomy, not the... But the control I had in my life to a person that I was... I think projecting my hopes and dreams onto. And what that did was created this immalleability inside of me, this inability for me to go and experience somebody else fully or to really look for somebody else fully because of the projection I was creating. Now again, I've never I haven't sorted through that well in my head. I still don't know if I was being gaslit, but at this point I've come to a realization that that, that relationship in general is not healthy for me. <laughs> right? Because I can't because it served its purpose. I can't do any more growing from it. When I keep that thing around, I devolve. Which is what I've noticed the last couple of weeks. And it's something 
It's something that you, it's a hard thing to recognize about yourself. When you're devolving, when you're falling apart, we don't want to know, we don't want to recognize it. When you're starting to lose grip, you don't want to recognize it in yourself. And so you'll look away. You know, you'll tell yourself that it's, hold on one second, guys, I got to pause this for a second. You, you know, you'll, you'll tell yourself that you need to... Sorry about that, guys. I'm going to continue. I just had an issue with the recording. It looked like it wasn't recording, but it was. Um, sorry for the break there. You don't want to look at yourself when you're falling apart like that. You don't want to recognize when it's happening, and so you'll hide it from yourself. Uh, but it, it, you won't even see it, and, and you'll just slowly start to have this... Cre- you'll have this creeping feeling inside, this, this, this weight, this sinking feeling. Like, oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. You know what I mean? And a lot of times the reason you're going to feel that is because there's, you're taking the control out. There's, the control has been taken away from you. Not, and it's been taken away by you. You're, you're keeping yourself in that feeling and you're keeping yourself stagnant. That feeling is your body t- saying you're, you need to move. You know, you also get anxious at this period of time too, and that's why. It's because your body needs to move. You, it's, it, it, you're, you, it's something between the can. Whatever connects your body to your spirit, your deeper purpose, your consciousness, it, that in those moments, you're being told, get off your ass, do something about it. There's never more opportunity than when you're starting to fall or when you're at the bottom of a pit, right? But you can keep yourself from falling in the pit, and that's a much better option, I promise you. <laughs> It's a much better option to catch that edge before you go over it because it's a mu- it's a lot longer climb and the fall is quick. <laughs> the fall is always really fucking quick, people. You're placing those things that we, the reason that you're not moving, the reason that you're 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 missing, or maybe not even recognizing that you're falling apart is because. You're saying that control is outside of me. Whatever the solution is. You probably even know what the solution to your issue is. For me, in this situation, the solution is what I don't want to do. It usually is that. It's hiding behind what you don't want to do, what your fear is. What are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of losing this connection. So what does that mean? Damn it. It's time to let it go. You see? You have to trick yourself into picking the option you don't want to do every time. (laughs) Getting comfortable with picking the option you don't want every time. But in doing so, you find relief. You know, in doing that, I find closure. I can close that book, that chapter, whatever I've gone through, whatever mistakes I've made or or misjudgments I've made. I I can put those negative aspects to bed and also recognize the positive things that have come from it. A lot of these podcast episodes, a lot of the work I've done on myself, the realization of all of this process, you know, I can put that all and close that book, that chapter of my life, and make it a part of me. All of it. 
instead of running away from the bad spot, bad sides. You know, in that recognition, right, that I could have been doing that projection, projecting my hopes and dreams on somebody else, creating a kind of, I don't know what the best way to describe it is, a, um, a disconnection with reality, right? That caused a lot of pain for me. And recognizing that if that the most reasonable option is that I did cause this pain for myself. And that I need to be the one that recognizes that in order for me to move on. And I have to accept that. That I am that fallible of a thing. That I'm that I can be that misguided to place all of myself, all of my hopes, all of my aspirations, all of my dreams on another person. Hmm. But I do think that's something that we can all do. It doesn't have to be a person, it can be an idea be a job position within a company when we place all of ourselves outside of ourselves we lose every time don't do that to yourself recognize that you are truly all you ever need You're complete. You're whole. You don't need to go into the world looking for that. There's a certain amount of comfort you have to have with yourself internally before you can go into the world and see it for what it truly is. A lot of people would to say what it truly is is something horrifying or grotesque especially right now that's not what the world truly is the world truly is every horrible thing you've ever seen or experienced or could imagine and all of the most wonderful beautiful things you could have ever seen experienced or imagine it's all of it in order to view the world for what it is, you have to be able to view yourself for what you are first. <laughs> and that's a deeply painful thing to do. It is deeply painful to recognize how flawed you are. But it's also incredibly liberating. And it's the only thing that shows you what truth really is. Honesty within yourself is the only thing that shows you what truth really is. All of this talk about fake news and truth in the media. Everywhere, really. <clears throat> politically, especially. But that there's this objective truth. 
this objective truth, this truth that every single person can see objectively. No, 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 no. This is what Nietzsche argued against. That doesn't exist. The reason that everybody's saying this is the truth, but none of it matches up, demonstrates that. <laughs> or not the reason, but the reason that everybody's saying that is because everybody believes in objective reality when there isn't one. And so what would manifest if that was actually true? Let's take that as a hypothesis. You know, like if if there was no objective reality, but everybody was acting as if there was one, what would eventually happen? All of those truths <laughs> would clash with each other eventually, right? Showing reality for what it is. I think we're at one of those moments where reality is being shown for what it is. Objective reality doesn't exist. Subjective reality does something we don't talk about as much Sub subjective reality is something like truth it's something that is experienced internally and personally that actually can't be witnessed by somebody else by definition and that your subjective reality is much more important than any quotation marks objective reality somebody else wants to tell you But your subjective reality is very painful. So you have to choose it. And I hope you do. I hope this episode was enjoyable for you. I hope it wasn't too down. <laughs> I feel a lot better, guys. I needed to talk through that. I needed to put some endings on things, right? And um, now that I've done that, I feel invigorated. <laughs> I feel a lot better. And we'll see how long that lasts. But um, I'll try to continue to talk through some of the issues I'm going through with you guys here in the future. Uh, I do have my computer up and running now. I'm still working through a couple of different things, like I said, trying to get some of my old files back. So like some of the like the art artwork and stuff i'm not going to have any like track specific artwork or anything for the next couple episodes because I, I have to get photoshop downloaded and things like that but it'll all be back to normal here soon um and i'm just glad that this is an outlet that is available to me again readily so uh, thank you for listening thank you for going along on this journey with me and i hope you're doing well stay safe out there lots of love goodbye